ways facing Holly, so she thinks I'm actually paying attention when she talks. And I can yell at you directly. Yes. Watch the pointing. <laughs> Harsh. I know. All right. Hey, Holly. Hi, Dave. Welcome to another episode of our holiday extravaganza. And I'm glad that you called it holiday because we thought we ended Hanukkah. I did all the Hanukkah songs in the, in the prior episodes, but I actually... I'm going to add one to this episode since I know Hanukkah will be gone over and done with by the time this airs, but I want to, I, I need to make mention of something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hanukkah just continues on and on and on. As I've described in the past, we push off Hanukkah until it's convenient for us. So as of this recording, we haven't even celebrated our Hanukkah oh. uh, with, with family. So, okay. you know, maybe you've got a suggestion, something I can play during our party whenever we do get together. What do you got? You got something interesting? I actually have two songs, and I'm going to give a shout-out, a credit, to a friend of mine. Uh, his name is J.C. Douglas, and he's the he's a good friend up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the morning guy. Ooh, the morning zoo? <laughs> yeah. They're, ring, they're ring, a little older. Bling, 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 bling. Welcome no, to the zoo. It's it's far from the zoo. No? All right, fine. Well, then, maybe, but, maybe I'll still listen to him once in a while. You should. Is he's he good? Great. He's a team of three. There's there's three of them. Sure. But Who's he, the wacky guy on that show? <laughs> You're going to have to listen for yourself. Fair enough. Okay, so he gave you something. So he he listened to our first holiday episode, and he pointed out a couple of other Hanukkah songs to me that I did not know existed, and I'm almost embarrassed. And did you know the Bare Naked Ladies, Canadians, have – have? he said three, but I only found two they Hanukkah have to songs. Play, they have to play Canadian artists up there. Yes, I know. It's a rule. CanCon, I know. So we love – you know, Bare but, Naked Ladies are worshipped up there. Yeah, well, well, with good reason. They're funny and they're I think smart. They're still, are they still together? I think they broke up and then they came back together and I don't know. They're, anyway, but you've got a song by the – are the Bare Naked Lady – I guess there's some Jews in there? Not that you need to be Jewish to uh, sing a Hanukkah song. I don't know officially if, if they are, but there, there are two songs, Hanukkah Blessings, and they also do a, a cover of Oh Hanukkah. Nice. Hanukkah Blessings appears on their album, Bare Naked for the Holidays. Did you know that, I guess as music fans, we should know this, but the Bare Naked Ladies, they record at least one song on every album naked. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, they did not for this album. Okay. But despite that fact, the joyful spirit on this original Hanukkah track will blow your socks off. Well, I guess it blows the (laughs) Bare Naked Lady socks off when they're (laughs) recording. Light the candles for Hanukkah. Doubt the bare naked ladies. All right, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, so thank you, Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada, <laughs> our home and native land. <laughs> okay, so what do you have? I'm assuming it's not anything Hanukkah related. Well, <sighs> We're moving on to Christmas. It could be anything. We we didn't mention that this well, show was going to be a free for all. We're not limiting ourselves to music. We are 
anything that strikes you in relation to the holidays. True, true, true. Okay, so what All right. do you have? Actually, a bit of controversy <gasps> as it's... Uh, Prince? No. <laughs> Actually, we could talk about Prince later. He's got a great Christmas song that uh, that I love. Kind of leaning towards Prince and, and lyrically, and now we've got the, you know, the, we've got the Me Too movement. Where do you sit on, <laughs> maybe it's cold outside. Oh, how do you, how do you figure, is this something you could listen to? Because as I look through these lyrics, I, I think, it, I really think it's this woman, this was something from the 50s, and this woman wants to stay, but because of social mores, she thinks like maybe people will talk. This is something that she wants, but thinking of what other people will say, this is not appropriate behavior for a woman in 1950s, 1960s society. That was my take on this. If you read the lyrics, if you didn't, if you take away the current controversy about it, the revisiting of this, yes, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's anything, you know, it's her own internal struggle. It's not him necessarily pushing himself on her too aggressively. However, with the current movement, I can see that it might be interpreted that way. So I don't, I mean, I don't love the song any, I mean, it's a fine song. I wouldn't turn it off, but now I have, I would have a harder time listening to it, I think. See, because I think of Elf, one of my favorite movies of all time. And there's, there's Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel. It's a, it is also an inappropriate scene in a way. She's taking a shower and he's just sitting there on the, uh, on the sink, (laughs) singing along with her unbeknownst to her while they sing, you know, while she's singing the song. So really I'd better scurry. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. The neighbors might think. Say, what's in this drink? I wish I knew how to break the spell. I ought to say no, 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 Mind if I'm moving. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. Get out! Don't look at me! Get out! It's a cute scene, and it's one of my favorite but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, so I, I, I still don't have a, an issue hearing this song, but a lot of radio stations um, are starting to ban it. But I think the public still want, wants it. I think there's been some, you know, some surveys or, you know, just polling. And I think people still like the song, but I think it's people probably in their 50s and 60s who like this song. And the 20 somethings are going, no, this is not OK. The 50s and 60s are probably are just sweeping that easier to sweep those ideas under the rug because the song might be yeah Yeah. parents are sweeping it under the rug and kids are going hey 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 this isn't a christmas related thing but i just read this in the times that the song kiss the girl from the little mermaid is inappropriate a woman in um that writes for uh princeton newspaper noah wallstein she said please stop singing kiss the girl i don't know the song do you have have the lyrics there i never saw the little mermaid whoa 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 (laughs) I know. But you've got kids. 
I know. Well, my You're son Disney. was never interested in Chelsea. Chelsea was really meh on Disney films. Yeah. Wow, we were we all we were all about Disney and the Little Mermaid. I I saw it with with uh, my then girlfriend at the time. We went to a theater to see Aww. it. It was great. Okay, can you read so me story- some of the questionable lyrics in <laughs> Kiss the Girl? In her article, this says uh, the premise of the song originally sung in the Disney film The Little Mermaid is that. Male Prince Eric, on a date with beautiful female Ariel, should kiss her without asking for a single word to affirm her consent, despite the fact that she does not have a voice. Her voice was taken away from her. Despite the fact that an evil sea witch cursed Ariel's voice away, making verbal consent impossible. The song is clearly problematic from the get-go. She also said, removed from its cushioning context of mermaids, magic, and PG ratings, the message comes across as even more jarring. Lyrics such as, it's possible she wants you too. There's one way to ask her. It don't take a word, not a single word. Go on and kiss the girl. And she won't say a word until you kiss the girl. Unambiguously encouraging men to make physical advances on women without obtaining their clear consent. I'm not sure I'm going to weigh on weigh, I, weigh in on this just now, but I... I anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, that... Meant to be perfectly innocent, obviously. Yes. But... Do you think somebody is combing through Disney song, Disney films and listening to all the songs, looking for issues in any of them? Always. I mean, these were things we grew up on. I, I am shocked that, that Grease is still acceptable. I'm <laughs> no kidding. That is a horrible, horrible movie for, for boys and girls to watch. Yes. And yet we, I mean, our kids watch. I know my kids watched it. And I don't think my despite, kids have seen it. What is going on in I the know. Cantos family? I know. I am... We, we've locked them in a cage Apparently. since uh, childhood, so and not exposed them to anything. Huh. So anyway, kids are looking into lyrics now, and it's yeah. uh, just inappropriate uh, context in in a lot of these songs. Saturday Night Live did a uh, a skit on it. They're just saying, you know, if you're cool with that, I'd like to comment on the way you look right now. And Okay, sorry, we're just here with our friends. Yeah, sorry, guys. Cool. Have a good night. So wait, huh? you're just going to respect our wishes? Hell yeah. Time to change. We also some new respectful stuff. So shake that booty if you want to. Drop that booty. It's your joy if you would love to touch your booty. But we will respect your boy. Drop that booty if you feel it. Drop it low. If you insist, we gon' treat that booty right. Because we allies in this bitch. I'm on a mission for that ass, but first I need permission. No. It, yeah, it's uh, it was actually very funny. So, uh, Thanks for bringing that up. I wasn't sure you were going to Just talk about Baby, It's Cold Outside. Bag of downers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to come back with an, uh, with an upper. Okay. I hope so. Well, Let's I, see if I can bring it down. But go ahead. <laughs> no. No. This is another one. I don't, I don't know if it's an upper, but this is so fantastic. I'm guessing that you know about this, but I did not, and I'm crediting, crediting J.C. Douglas again. He sent me the video for this, and I don't remember ever seeing this. Uh, Darlene Love from, from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Uh, uh, SNL Funhouse? Oh, yeah. You do? I don't remember seeing this. This is so fantastic. Christmas oh, yeah. Time for the Jews. And oh. it was it had the mm-hmm. animation from Robert Smigel. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. On Christmas Eve, the Gentiles gather round the Christmas tree. They stay at home and party with their Goyasha family. They disappear one day each year and pass the eggnog round. But it's all right, because that's the night the Jews control the town. Well, it happens every 
and I don't know how I could have missed this. Oh, it's brilliant. And yeah. plus, it's Darlene Love singing it. And yeah. Darlene Love, I mean, I can go to the Phil Spector Christmas, which is on heavy rotation in the Sloan residence during this entire month. This is the greatest album of all time, and it's because of Darlene Love and the amazing songs that she sings. And there's a lot of other great moments in there, but uh, she, she just brings it. She used to uh, perform on Letterman every year. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Yeah, with uh, yeah, Paul Schaefer. And uh, when Letterman was on NBC, she still she sang the song Christmas. Yeah, Every year. Yes. So Darlene Love just brings it. She's the greatest and uh, underappreciated vocalist. Totally. It's it's not Christmas until I hear the Phil Spector Christmas and whenever I hear Darlene Love, it just it's it's the greatest. Okay, I will look for a Phil Spector Christmas even yeah. though we know I'm Bahamut Oh, it's great. Christmas oh, I music. know. And uh, well, here's here's my my one fun fact about the the Phil Spector Christmas. The album was released on November 22nd, 1963. What can you tell me about that date? Why would that be a bad day to release an album? November 22nd, 1963. Yes. Let me go to the memory bank. It was the day Kennedy was shot. Yes, it is. So that is why. Not a good day for, it wasn't appreciated probably at the time as it should have been. uh, Yes, other things were on America's mind that day, um, the world's mind. Well, that is a fact. I don't know if I would call it a fun fact. Well, I know. But (laughs) but the fun fact is that it's so brilliant that the the album endures and lives on to this day and uh, is going to be played as soon as I get home. I just I hear those slave. Oh God! There's there's so many moments in that album that I I love so much. Okay, I will listen. I promise. All right. So where's it going now? Okay, I'm going. I'm veering from music. Okay, good. And my understanding is there is a lot of debate on what I'm about to say. I don't oh, know. can I guess? Yes. <laughs> does it uh, does it have anything to do with the Nakatomi Towers? <laughs> it does. So do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? I. Consider it a great uh, action movie. Yes. Not necessarily. It, it like, like you always point out, it's this is a good song. It just happens around Christmas time, right? Exactly. And so this is a great movie that happens around Christmas time. Yes, it does, and it is. It is. I think you say a great action movie. I think it might be the greatest action movie. I it is would, one of my favorite movies. I would of all not time. dispute that claim. I love it, and it makes me want to go back and watch it. Maybe that's what I'll be watching on on. Uh, Christmas Day, before we go out for Chinese food. Very nice. I think Alan Rickman is Hans Gruber. He was just such a brilliant bad guy. Yes. And Alexander Alexander Godunov, right? Uh-huh. He was his his henchman. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. And Bonnie Bedelia as his wife. You know, I know she's just the you know the wife, mm-hmm. just the wife. Yeah. You know the the secondary character. 
I thought she was really good. And she had a big job, and that's why he was there. Yeah. Big job in Nakatomi Plaza. That's right. Yeah. Was uh, the limo driver was playing the uh, Christmas time in Hollis Queens? Isn't that uh, the the yes. song? Yes. Yeah. So that's you know that's part of the holiday spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It well, is it so '80s. Have you watched it lately? It's it's hilarious just watching what everyone's wearing or just looking at at the clothes. It's phenom- phenomenal. I think I'm gonna go back and watch it this week. And we tried to show Sam, my son. He's not. I mean, kids aren't. My kids are not that interested in movies, but. Steve said, do you really think he's going to appreciate it? Do you think he's going to think it's that great? No. I mean, it was from the, the 80s. Yeah. Kids have to discover it on their own. Yeah. Right. It's like <laughs> making them listen to music that you love. Exactly. Yeah. So it, um, Die Hard is still phenomenal. And I, I used to take off my shoes and just kind of like to rub my toes and the, just to relax on an airplane. But you can't do that anymore. People people take pictures and then they shame you. So. What did he call it? Make fist, fists with your toes. Make fists with yeah. your toes. Yes. Yeah. Shoot the glass. Um, so can I tell you a couple of fun facts about Die Hard that you might not know? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I saw the, the uh, title in Hungarian. The Hungarian translated to English is called <laughs> Give Your Life Expensive. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't. The sequel is Your Life is More Expensive. And the third is... Die Hard is the life is always expensive. I wonder why that is. If there's a Die Hard in hung, Hungary that uh, doesn't I don't work, know. or maybe they just tried to describe the movie somehow, and this is what Hungarians might might. Okay, I don't know. And in um, in Spanish, it's the it trans, it's the glass jungle. The glass jungle. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you think everybody knows Nakatomi Plaza is a 20th Century Fox building by now? Uh, it's pretty well known, but you know when you have Tourists over, you can. It's always fun to like show point them, out point it out. Plaza. Yeah, there's Nakatomi, and usually when you say Nakatomi Plaza, it's something that a <laughs> name that people recognize for some reason. Right, not, you, not you watch, Plaza. Not you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? No. Oh, okay. Andy Samberg's character is obsessed with Die Hard, <laughs> so he's he's always pretend. That's why he's a cop because of John McClane. Oh. And, but he's always after his Hans Gruber, and you know, he's, it's yeah. There's a lot of references to Die Hard in the show. Oh my God! What? What is it? Nakatomi Plaza. It's the most important monument in all of America. The building from Die Hard. Can we go in? Can we pay our respects? Can we go in, sir? Fine, just make it quick. Yes. Pull it over there, Argyle. What? This is the name of the driver in the movie. We're going to Nakatomi Plaza. There's going to be role play. I hear that. That show is hilarious it's amazing it's great maybe i'll give it a try oh definitely i'm gonna tell you one more thing speaking of john mcclain do you know that he was not the first choice for the role that makes sense because i don't think looking back i was interested in seeing it because bruce willis was just this guy from moonlighting and (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know if like oh it's the moonlighting actor i don't know if i want to see that trying to think of others you know there was schwarzenegger there was uh (laughs) There was Stallone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who, who did I hit on these? These you hit on a few. It pa- many passed on it. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere. Yeah, Richard Gere could no, have. I just don't see it. It was uh, no, it was a great high. Uh, it was perfect casting because he brought some humor and humanity yeah. to the role. Uh, exactly. I don't think uh, anybody else of those names could have could have done it. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It was a surprise for me, and I, I do, I own a copy of it, and I will. Uh, it is in my Christmas 
to-do list? Uh, no, it's, yeah, my, I have my Christmas drawer that I pull out, and oh, look, there's Die Hard, so Good. I will probably watch it again. Okay, so what else holiday-related do you have? It's Christmas time, and, you know, there's it's there's no Christmas need to be time. afraid. That was my next one. <laughs> well, I kind of figured you would. Okay. So that's why, yeah. like, all right, let's talk about this one. There's no need, there's no need to be afraid. All right, who sings that line? Aha, come on. Oh. Starts it off. Who starts it off? Paul Young. Was it Paul Young? Yes. yes, Paul Young. Okay. Then who goes next? Boy George. Okay. Here's a fun fact I learned about Boy George. Mm-hmm. He was in New York at the time of the recording. Bob Geldof, the, the organizer of this event, called him and said, George, we need you on this. You are, you know, he's the biggest star in 84. So he needs to be on there. It's like, yeah, 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 I'll be on there. So apparently... He just hung up the phone and just went back to sleep. They got him on a Concord, like the very last one, and then he came in and he recorded it, and uh, it was brilliant. And no one ever would have known. Nobody, the nobody was the wiser. Uh, so there was Paul Young, Boy George, George Michael, the Simon Le Bon, to Bono. Wait, Go. did we actually say the song is "Do They Know It's Christmas"? Oh, do they know? Well, do you know the song? <laughs> Everybody knows the song, but I just figure we should. Yes, do they know it's Christmas time? Sung by the band called. Band-Aid. Very good. Yes. I'm not sh- so sure now how well this these lyrics hold up or it's just kind of awkward. First of all, Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, they, they celebrate Christmas. I think the majority of them celebrate Christmas, I think, since the fourth century from what I read. So there's a line that says, you know, do they know, it, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do know it's Christmas time. I think that's more that wasn't meant in the literal sense necessarily. Yeah, okay. Even though Bono delivers this great vocal to that to the line, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. That yeah. does not, when you say it out loud tonight. Yeah, I don't know about that's that. Not, it's, that's not a great line. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. the time this was huge to have all these artists in that song and i i mean the amazing thing was when i heard it like i was able to identify each and every one. Oh, okay there <laughs> that, was, that was the fun challenge. this was like oh yeah yeah yeah, that's paul yeah okay oh yeah that's boy george and george michael there's paul simon LeBon. i don't think mccartney was uh well well he was there wasn't it was he oh there? he he did chorus Oh, okay. They didn't have their own verse. Uh, yes, they didn't have a yeah a so solo the, turn. Yeah, David Bowie, Phil Collins. I don't think they Paul were McCartney. in. I don't think they were in the studio at the time of this recording, and then they they probably recorded at a different time. I think. Um, no, I think they were there. Oh, here's the line: "Those he asked, but were unable to appear, instead sent recorded messages of support that appeared on the single's B side, including David Bowie and Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Also, from those unable to attend, included the members of Big Country mm-hmm. and Holly Johnson from Frankie Goes to Hollywood." Hmm. 
Uh, the Thompson Twins were unable to appear on the Band-Aid record as they were out of the country and were made aware of the recording too late to return. But they donated proceeds of their then-current single, Lay Your Hands on Me, to the Action for Ethiopia charity. Oh, very good. So there you go. Shout out to Thompson Twins. Yeah, so, uh, and then, of course, um, I recognized the drumming from Phil Collins. That was kind of nice moment <laughs> to hear, so to, hear that drum fill, to hear the drum fill yeah, yeah I, I don't he didn't sing but he did uh, he did play on there still huge they they did i think they've done like three or four others of these of course not as successful do you know who produced the this uh song we know that uh, bob geldoff and midge Ure wrote it yeah midge Ure was one of the producers, producers yeah and your favorite producer produced this trevor horn correct <laughs> good job the intro, I think, it really works well too. That's kind of like mm-hmm. you know, like this is this is something special. I, I I like the I like the sound of the record. This is probably the single uh, Christmas song I can listen to over and over. So this takes me out of my bah humbug. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. No, I I get yeah. that because at the time, yeah, this was such such a big deal, and then of course you know it led to Live Aid and led to We Are the World and you know all the. Totally 80s things. Yeah. Uh, You know, after seeing Bohemian Rhapsody, I was wondering if Freddie Mercury was even aware of this uh, being recorded. Do you know why he wasn't, why they were not invited? Oh, do you have an, because I I do not know, because I was actually, I was legitimately interested after hearing, or after seeing the movie, Mm -hmm. like I wonder, and then thinking about this song. Go ahead. Not invited because they had played in South Africa earlier that year, which uh, violated a boycott. That right, and Bob Geldof ultimately forgave them and invited Queen to perform at Live Aid. Okay, it's crazy that uh, Bob Geldof he <laughs> literally took the ball and just like went went nuts with uh, with this uh, the concept, the, the whole idea, this whole idea, and made a lifelong commitment to this charity and other things. He's he is Sir Bob Geldof now yes, because of this, with good reason. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful that someone could be changed. Uh, so affected by this and moved by this this movement that that he, he could get he, all these artists to the table and when yeah you know, I mean just passionate and yeah did it all. Do you know there was a re they re recorded this in 1989 with Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, and yeah they they've made four different versions of it and I've heard a few of them. You know, of course, being getting older and older, I recognize less and less of the artists on there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sad. what you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> You know, life, life goes on. There you go. And so do we. <laughs> oh, we're having some fun on the What Difference Does It Make holiday special. We're going to take a break, though, and we'll be right back. Free for all. Do- <laughs> free, free for all. Free for all. Ba la 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 la. La 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 la. It's yeah. the holiday season. Tis the season. So whoop de doo ba doo ba doo. Is that an original? No, that's the holiday season. That's the name of that song. You know that one. Sounds like a uh, commercial I, I, for Target. It, they're all commercials for Target and Old Navy. You know that. <laughs> yes. 
Speaking of Target and where we last left you, we you left me ta- at Target. We were talking about Minneapolis, and Target is based in Minneapolis. Good, good connection. And so is Prince. Yes, and so we wanted to talk a little bit more about Prince. <laughs> yeah, Prince and Bob Dylan and Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> I guess um, just because that was in, in 1984 when Prince was at his the height of Peak. his uh, yeah just superstardom. When Purple Rain came out, I was buying all the uh, all the singles. I, you know, I was buying everything, and so there were B sides, and there was one on the there was the B side of "I Would Die for You" is um, another lonely Christmas. This turned out to be one of my favorite <laughs> Prince songs. That's on a B side. I'm sure there's so many other amazing things in in that vault that will eventually come out. This was a song that I think I ended up. I mean, because I knew I would die for you, I ended up playing another lonely Christmas like. All the time because I thought this was one of the best one best songs. Also, yeah, like Erotic City that was a B side. Yeah, yes. Yeah, during that time there were so many great songs coming out of it, out of Prince, yeah. and they would just you know like all right here here's one put that on the on the back side. Yeah. So that's that was one of my incentives to always buy the the forty five. Forty fives. That's that's true for a lot, not just Prince, but for a lot of artists, the B sides turn out to be the. Oh, yeah, sure. It was another one. The sweetest did, thing was a B-side for you, too. Did it for you, too. Yeah. Springsteen on the B-side of my hometown was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. He finally put that, released that onto a, an official release. And, uh, I didn't realize that was a B-side. I guess it, it was. Worked. No, I mean, it, it, he recorded, I think, in like 75, and sta- it was sent to radio stations, and they played it for 10 years. But there was never an official release until he finally put it on the B-side of my hometown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it took... Took him nine years to to finally put it out, but but yeah, another lonely Christmas. It's not really a Christmas song; it's a sad song. <laughs> As because, most of these are, yeah, I mean, not Christmas songs. I mean, right? I mean, these are things that happened at Christmas time. So, I mean, Prince has a a lover, and you know that he he loves dearly, who dies on Christmas Day. Ugh. Ah, I know. You know, so, you know, it, it begins last night. I spent another lonely Christmas. And, and and now when I read this, I think of like, I could be singing this to Prince because it's just, it's super, Aww. super sad. Reminiscence about different things that they did. They swam naked in, in their father's pool and they were caught and they were, they played the uh, Pokino, which I don't know what that is. No. Remember when we played Pokino for money and you robbed me blind and, uh, and she was afraid of the number nine. <laughs> And then she passed away on uh, on Christmas. Super, so it was super sad. My mama used to say, always trust your lover. But I guess that only applies to her. Baby, you promised me. Baby, you promised me you never leave.
And after I read this, like, oh, I should do this on Christmas Day because the one of the final lines is every every Christmas night for seven years now, I drink banana daiquiris till I'm blind. As long as I hear you smiling, baby, you won't hear my tears. Another lonely Christmas is mine. Um, and just a phenomenal vocal, of course, from from France. But I should uh, on Christmas Day, I might uh, drink a banana daiquiri in his name. It's Purple Rain worthy. It's it could have been, you know, if it was appropriate for the. Uh, for the movie, it probably could have would have belonged on that on that album because it was it's really a great song. There's one Minneapolis thing. Okay, now you got are they are they connected to Bob Dylan and Sinead well, O'Connor? No, well, no, I mean, well, there's Bob Dylan put out a Christmas album, which is mm. goofy. <laughs> I for I can you. go. I will go off forever on on how amazing Bob Dylan is, but I I won't. <laughs> but he put out a Christmas album because he can because he's Bob Dylan. He's He's, he can do whatever he, he wants. Does whatever he wants. He he just recently released a um, a whiskey that I really want, want a sample. He did a thing on Fallon where they did like a little skit, but Bob Dylan said nothing. Like they went to go see the circus, uh, at like the the big top circus, and they're doing all these tricks. And Bob Dylan and Jimmy Fallon are sharing whiskey together, and they're drinking. And Jimmy's like amazed at all the amazing performances, and Dylan's just kind of sitting there enjoying his drink. And then the show ends and Jimmy Fallon stands up and applauds. And then he looks next to him and Bob Dylan's not there. And he's like, where's Bob Dylan? <laughs> and the performers look up there. No one was there. You've been alone this whole time. Like, yeah, okay, that's, that sounds about right. This, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Bob Dylan appears out of nowhere. I just I wonder about him. I'm like, does he take out the trash? Does he do, like, does he do normal things? Okay, wait. So was he promoting something? By he was promoting his, his whiskey, whiskey. His whiskey. Okay. Um, which is called Heaven's Door, which I put on my Christmas list or Hanukkah list of uh, Heaven's Door. Okay. Yeah. But he also put out a Christmas album, like all good Jews do. Um, Anything memorable from it? Yeah. Well, he put out this silly song called "Must Be Santa," which I love. <laughs> it's a it's a video of just everyone celebrating. Uh, Christmas party. There's a and you know there's he's wearing a, a beard and you know he's just kind of having fun and there's there's craziness going on all around him, but Bob Dylan. It's just it's it's super tongue in cheek and super fun, despite what a lot of people think. I think he has an amazing voice and is a great interpreter of of songs. Yes. Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who comes around on special night? Who comes around on special night? Special night, beard that's white must be Santa. He's constantly reinterpreting his own songs. I I, I really admire Everything he does. Everything about him. He's, he's poetic. I do. Uh, it's just insane. <laughs> so wait, is this holiday album, is it uh, covers and originals? Yeah, uh, I think it's all covers. I don't think, okay. I don't know if he put it out, if there's any originals on there. Okay. Worth but, checking out anyway. But, but yeah, listen, watch the Must Be Santa video because it's fun. Okay. And it'll put you in the mood. Okay. Yeah, I'll send you the email on that. <laughs> I know you will, but I'm going to look. <laughs> okay. And, what and, about- and then the other thing, the... Um, uh, very special Christmas. Mm-hmm. There's very special Christmas one. Special Christmas two is Sinead O'Connor singing the song "I Believe in You," 
which is a Bob Dylan song. And that is from during Bob's born again period. <laughs> this is when I, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, first started getting interested in music and I heard about Bob Dylan. He was going through his born again Christian phase, mm-hmm. had just no inclination to ever go listen to that or, yeah. or pay any attention to Dylan. So I kind of skipped over, you know, like a lot of classic rock artists that were going through weird periods, you know, he, Neil Young and, you know. Bob Dylan was exiled from my house during that period. Oh, my really? parents were huge fans, but. First of all, this, I believe in you, Sinead O'Connor just does this beautiful, beautiful version of the song. Uh, I believe in you. It's so great. I mean, it makes me believe in, you know, it's, uh, it's it, she's, she's so talented and this song was, was brilliant. It still is brilliant. It's something that I play all the time. I don't, something about her voice. exiled in our or mm-hmm. in your home this was played in heavy rotation in the o'connor home and she really gravitated towards this song mm-hmm. so this is something she grew up with you know like so 10 years later she gets the opportunity to sing the song and she just nails it it's phenomenal okay. i will give it a listen but you really she isn't from minneapolis no i know that well but <laughs> D- bob dylan wrote it and he's yeah. from minneapolis okay just, just clarify i'm just <laughs> connecting the dots for you here he recently he dylan puts out all these bootleg albums mm-hmm. I got the albums where he he sings the the Christian songs, the Born Again songs. They're amazing. I don't necessarily think it was he was born again. He just had a huge respect for these these church songs, and he created. He wanted to create his. I think he liked the form of it, and he wanted to create his own, and he he did. And I and he got these amazing musicians that that played these songs, and so just listening through that whole box set that. That's a treat. And it made me appreciate like that, that slow train coming mm-hmm. brilliant out. It's great. It's a great, great album. And Are you saying fun. you don't actually believe that he was born again, that he was just singing the songs? I think he, I'm pretty uh, sure it was official that he, he uh, no, I know he was kind of uh, Christian. Uh, he was talking a little bit during the shows about, uh, you know, finding the Lord and things like that. Oh, I, that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's fine. But um, but I think it was he had more belief in the song form. Mm-hmm. I think he was kind of experimenting with with that style, taken on their own. I mean, there's there's some great church songs. Yes. Oh, we totally agree. Yeah, I, I think he was creating some of his own, and you know, just ways to live your life or things based on Bible verses. There's a and and the the musicianship on these during that period is insane. It's great, and I. I 
I love Dylan during all periods of. Uh, yes. <laughs> he could do no wrong because it's, and that's the amazing thing about him is like you discover different things. Yeah. You know, during different parts of your life, uh, I guess. I I totally agree, and I love. I I'm not anti Christian music. Certainly, I I love gospel music. I love. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love a gospel choir. It's not, and I'm not shooing his. The music, any of the music in any format is just, uh, or any style. He was in my house because, you know, my my mom in particular was anti anyone who converted out of Judaism. Sure. <laughs> he had the same issue when he plugged in. Yeah. People were booing him. Yeah. They called him Judas. They, you know, <laughs> just, he's betraying us. Yeah. He's gone through all that and he loves this. I mean, that's, he, he wants to, yeah. he wants to challenge audiences. But I get the, I mean, I get the music and the love of the music. And yes, nothing but respect for Bob yeah. Dylan. By the way, you, sh- you should uh, revisit Aretha Franklin doing, uh, singing in church, doing her amazing grace. Oh. oh, I'll listen to anything. I'll revisit anything Aretha Franklin. Oh my God. Yeah. When, yeah. When she passed later, I pulled that up. Okay, so we're moving on from uh, from the yeah from death upper, from death. the north Christi- Christians and death and northeast. I mean, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you got? Uh, well, I know that we were going to talk about some movies that you you have a list to share of holiday movies. I'm thinking, but yeah. my I this song I love. I don't remember the movie. I don't even remember seeing the movie, but I love Annie Lennox, and it's. Um, Put a little love in your heart was from the movie Scrooge. So oh, the yeah. song, the original song, Jackie DeShannon was from 1969, but the movie was in uh, the movie Scrooge was from 1988, and back then it reached number nine on the Hot 100. Mm-hmm. So I love Annie Lennox. She sang it with Al Green. Yes, so another one right up there with Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. and it was produced by Dave Stewart, her rhythmics partner, but uh, it was credited to her. Well, you know, when you got Al Green in the studio, just kind of stand back and we'll let that happen. Think of your
So no, that's it. I just yes. I love the song. This is a really ha- it's a I think it's a happy song. Oh, it definitely is. Have you seen you? You haven't seen Scrooge, or you don't remember it? It's I don't. Bill I, Murray yeah, kind of no. plays a TV. He plays a TV executive. He, it's a weird movie because it's kind of dark, but it's trying to be warm hearted. It's trying to do both things at the same time, but it's did it succeed? Not necessarily. <laughs> no, I, mean, I remember <laughs> but the Bill movie. Murray's in it, so yeah. you know it's worth it. Yeah. What else? Do you have anything else about the movie? About the movie? Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, I, I've. I have this list of uh, movies from the 80s, Christmas movies from the 80s. Oh, tell me something. And this one was number 33 out of the top 40. Scrooged? Scrooged. Okay. What was number one? Or how do you want yeah. to count them down, Dave? Well, they listed they listed all the like their favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, and they put It's a Wonderful Life at number one, which is, why are you rolling your eyes? I, I don't think I've ever gotten through that movie. I bust out in tears. I know it's coming at the end, and I, I Don't still, tell me you're going to ruin it for me. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I have ever gotten to the end. Yeah, but every every stupid time I watch this movie, Aww. I just cry. Plus, um, also, my, we were watching this movie when uh, my first daughter came into this world. Oh, okay. She, yeah, it's a little of everything. But, the, yeah, we were watching the movie when, when Jan was like, uh, I think it's time we go to the hospital. Oh, it's okay. So it has a special place in your heart. And you yeah. can cry not because of the movie necessarily, no. but because no, solely, having- No, it's solely because of the movie. This one, this line, you know, at the very end. What is it? They uh, toast him. They Aww, toast him. and okay. But just everything that he's going through. And just when, when that comes and they break into all the anxiety, it kills me every time. The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. I didn't want to list all 40. Then there were a lot of movies that you didn't know. Yell them out. Um, but, uh, but I just, so I just cut out all the fat and just put it in the eighties movies. Cause we're an eighties. Oh, right. We're an eighties podcast. Okay. So which ones? Well, the, well, number 40 wasn't even from the eighties, but <laughs> I still put it in there. Number 40 was home alone, oh. which is the worst parents ever. They, yeah. They're horrible parents. Yeah. I love Catherine O'Hara to death, but uh, she was a bad mom. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the time, though, you have a totally different perspective. Yeah. The time of the movie that you're watching right. the movie. Yeah, I know. This was before we had kids, so it's, it's you know, just a goofy. So goofy you're not movie. thinking about the parenting aspect of it. Well, watching it now, I mean, it's yeah. it's funny watching movies. As know, parents. As parents. Okay. What else is on the list? Um, all right, so 33 was Scrooged. 26 I put on there, even though it's from 2003, because Elf. <laughs> is a movie that my family and I quote every year. I mean, there's just there's so many amazing things in that movie. 
I, mean, I haven't have watched you, that one again, too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You have seen of it. Of course. Don't say of course. I'm starting to learn that you don't watch everything. You have not seen A Little Mermaid. No, I know. Okay, I, you're I mean, right. That's just, don't assume. Oh my God, I'm apoplectic. <laughs> you are. As, I see as you're Gore, As Tipper Gore once was when she heard <laughs> Darling Nikki. <laughs> 22 was uh, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, just because, you know, Danny Elfman. But that was from 93. Okay. Uh, 21, Gremlins from 1984. Gremlins. Gremlins, great movie. How's Gremlins that? and Gremlins 2. Christmas movies? Yeah, it was during Christmas time. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember don't that get, aspect. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. You know? <laughs> yes. There's a lot of rules. You got to yeah. look. Uh, those, are, those are fun, fun movies. Yes. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, 1983. It's good because uh, Christopher Walken. Oh. <laughs> it's great. Plays it straight. That's good. Yeah. Uh, number 15, also a movie from 1990, Edward Scissorhands, but uh, still. Edward Scissorhands. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, number 10 was a movie I never heard of, but it's from 1984. They, uh, this is called Comfort and Joy, uh, about a Glasgow DJ who finds himself unexpectedly alone when he's dumped by his girlfriend shortly before Christmas. You had me at Glasgow DJ. Yeah, so there you go. So yeah, I know, I want to watch this movie now. I have, I've okay. uh, kind of circled it and like, oh, okay. Comfort and Joy. Comfort and Joy, Got 1984. It. Okay. Number eight is uh, Die Hard. <laughs> it's only number eight. Yeah. Well, I, I know there were others that I, I, again, I didn't even, I should have listed the top 10. But, and then number six is probably my all time favorite from 1983 as a Christmas story. Now, why have you not seen this movie? <laughs> what makes you think I haven't seen it? Because I know, because from our conversations, I know that this is something that you have not watched. I have not seen it. Because we've talked about, like you talk about uh, Chinese restaurants are open and I immediately think of a Christmas story and, you know, it would just get a blank look from you. Yes. You have no idea. Yeah. What like, I'm missing? Yeah. Like, if I say the word fragile, that means nothing to you. No. This movie plays 24 hours in a row on TBS on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. It is so, the greatest movie of all time. Oh, really? Huh. Well, Are you really great, calling it that? Well, Elf is pretty good, too. But uh, Christmas Story is very, 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 very good. Directed oh, wow. by the guy who brought you Porky's. Is but that right? It's Yes. Super sweet and just uh, funny. Oh, see, that's why funny I don't do sweet. And funny, <laughs> funny, dark and funny. Okay. There's dark moments and just uh, there's, okay. there's cursing and, you know, there's dealing oh, with cursing. your parents. Yeah, just, just <laughs> with, getting your mouth washed out with soap. My dad claims it's uh, the story of his life. That's wonderful. And I, I really can't, uh, I could mention things and I would just get this blank stare from you. But it's a, basically about this this family, two boys and them growing up and being, uh, you know, there's bullying, dealing with that, okay. being, dealing with the bully, dealing with trying to get the, the present that you want for Christmas, dealing with Santa and, uh, and all that he represents. It's uh, a wonderful story. So you highly recommend it. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, so and then my, my last honorable mentions uh, are both. Okay, well, uh, Vince Guaraldi, Christmas time is here.
time yeah. is here. Exactly, from Charlie Brown Christmas, and you're a mean one, yes. Mr. Grinch. What's it, what's the guy's name? It's like Thurl, Thurl Ravenscroft. Ravenscroft. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Nice. Both of those TV shows are amazing. Yes, 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 and yes. That kind of, These yeah. are my favorites. Yes, and Linus mentions the J word. He does. So, yes. Well, he's not Jewish, Linus. I know, I know, but you know. Wait, what is this? Anyway, I can't remember. But, but your parents let you watch that. You know, it's funny. I don't remember watching at home. I remember watching this from day one with Steve, yeah. who I've known for over 30 years. I don't remember watching it with my parents. I don't remember doing anything sentimental or holiday related with my parents. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we used to, yeah, th- these were big things, you know. Oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember the spot. It was like Dolly Madison, like baked goods. Oh, probably. Yeah, was I don't the remember, sponsor yeah. of these, uh, of the, of yeah. the TV sh- special. Who put golden chunks of apple in a pie that's packed to go? Uh, Dolly did it. Who put juicy red cherries in a neat-to-eat treat? Who put a creamy chocolate filling in this great little pie? Is this a test? Nah, everyone knows it's Dolly Madison who makes delicious packed to go pies. Cherry, apple, and chocolate, all with flaky golden crusts. Dolly Madison did it. Everybody knows that. Just give me the uh, and the Grinch. Yes, Grinch is super good. Uh, yeah, that both of those are just heartwarming. Yes. And they're funny. We, they are, both uh, of them. Still oh, hold, the- and still hold up well. Yeah. Oh, our kids, our kids do love these. And, yeah. And they will probably hand them down to they ki- their kids should they have any. It, yeah. Um, but the, the, the Grinch, you can you know make fun all you want of me and my lack of appreciation for these holiday songs and events. Which I will songs and events. continue I know. to do. But in this case, we listened to this soundtrack. We would go to Candy Cane. When the, from the time the kids were born, we went with uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and their kids to Candy Cane Lane. Mm-hmm. And we would drive slowly, and we would always listen to the Grinch soundtrack. Nice. The Grinch album. I guess it was the soundtrack. Well, I don't know any other song. Well, oh, um, 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 oh, oh, what's, what's that song where they're, they're all gathered, they're holding hands around the Christmas tree? Holy, holy, holy. Yes, that's on there. But it, <laughs> yes. Welcome Christmas, Christmas Day. Welcome, welcome, I don't, they're singing nonsense, well, but, like like Dr. Seuss does. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I'm pretty sure that we just had, I mean, we had the whole thing as we were oohing and eyeing at the lights, but, you know, it was really your mean one. That, all right. Well, next time, I'll give you the Phil Spector CD, and you could pop it in there if you still have a okay. CD player in your car. You can give it a listen. I do, but we've given up on Candy Cane Lane. <sighs> you, know, you probably should. It's, we go right to dinner and gifts. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. So, so, are you done with your? With are we officially done with the holidays? For, with uh, for now, yes. Okay. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think that's enough. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I think I think, I think we've exhausted. Clearly, every... you are sick of this holiday, and you, you just want to oh, move. Bug. Yes, move on to whatever's next to the new year. Let's yeah. get this over with. Let's move on to January and start anew. I think that's a good idea. Maybe we'll even have some fun guests in the new year. I hope so. I hope so too. Oh. 
Because <laughs> uh, we're getting old, talking to each other and oh, rambling. Never. Oh, we could ramble forever. Yes, we do. All right. So I've got some uh, some uh, fun questions for you. You do. You can ask me a question from our 1980s rock and roll quiz deck. Oh, so I'm going to Lovely. Okay. Let me mix these up real good. Did you take out all the other? I did. We're oh. not going to get any repeats. Okay. So this will be fun. By the time we're, uh, we're done with all of this, maybe uh, we'll move on to the 90s deck. Yes. <laughs> I don't in, know. There's not that in, many in, of these. We in may 10 have years' to... time or however long. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? Ooh, this will be fun. Let's see if you can do this. On. Yeah. You got okay. your, your thinking cap is on? My thinking cap is on. Okay. Um, with a name inspired by a villain in the 1968 sci-fi cult film Barbarella, this English band made high fashion an integral part of their signature style. You're looking at me like I should know this, and I know I should know it, okay. but I don't. Okay. Their first music video appeared just after the premiere of MTV and created quite a stir. The BBC banned it, and MTV edited the topless mud wrestling scenes. So this was Barbarella-inspired? That's where they got the band name. Okay. All right. The group went on to set the standard for music videos while releasing six albums in the 80s, four of which made the top ten in the U.S. Name the band. It's not Bananarama. No. High fashion. That should be my clue. Yeah, you, uh, it's not Talking Heads. No, but icons of MTV. Godly and Cream. No, they. <laughs> what is happening? MTV used them well, and the band you made uh, the most out of MTV. Duran Duran. Yes. Oh. Yes. Should have gone with the obvious. All right. Well, <laughs> sorry for having you had to read the whole thing. That's all right. That's good. Duran Duran, leading edge of Britain's new romantic genre, shaped a synth-pop style as lush and pretty as their hair and outfits. (laughs) Fueled by heavy exposure on the fledgling MTV, the band became teen magazine favorites and soared into the stratosphere of international popularity. They released six albums in the 1980s, among them Duran Duran and and Rio, Mm -hmm. Hungry Like a Roof and Save a Prayer. Mm -hmm. The latter staying on the U.S. album charts for over two years. Um, they made the cover of Rolling Stone in February 1984 and went on to record the title song for the James Bond movie. I remember the video because they filmed it in Paris and it was in the Eiffel Tower. Come on, Holly, you got this. I know. That song went to number one in the U.S. The only Bond theme to accomplish that feat. Th- <laughs> I'm totally drawing a blank. Sorry. It's a view to view a to kill. kill. <laughs> Okay, I wouldn't have recognized it from that. Uh, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. I love that Simon. It, yes. it always seemed like he was out of tune, but uh, it worked. For it me. worked for sure. Yes, I know. Then at their peak of popularity, after a July 1985 performance at the Live Aid Benefit concert in Philadelphia, the band split up. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. To form the band. There were like two bands. Can you name those two bands? Oh, Power Station. And? And? Nick Rhodes was in this one. This isn't from the card. But Nick Rhodes went on to be I think in. It was a band called and, Arcadia. Oh, yes. With um, someone else was in it, too. I can't remember who. I just remember Nick Rhodes. Yeah. Someone else was but in that it. was it was Power Station and Arcadia. They yes. broke up and they Power two Station other became bands. more popular. Arcadia, I think, only had one or two hits. Yeah. I can't remember what they had. Yeah. All right, so um, social media, please uh, plug, 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 plug a plug, plug. So you got us on every podcast, 
podcast platform and Instagram, WDDIM Podcast, and Twitter, WDDIM Podcast, and Facebook, What Difference Does It Make Podcast. Very nice. I'm Holly. I'm Dave. Happy holidays, Holly. Happy holidays to you too, Dave, and to all of you. And to all of you and yours. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.